This past Monday on September 30th, Governor of California Gavin Newsom passes the Fair Pay to Play Act, and as we're going to remember it, the SB 206 bill, a landmark bill for many, many reasons, and we'll see that in the next five years, 10 years, 20 years is going to be one of those bills that is going to set set the example for all the other states is something that was started by Ed O'Bannon. You're listening to NYCNYSEA. We're talking sports and a whole lot more. Will Sanchez, Dory Bennett, and we have a very special guest, and we'll get to him in one second. Dory, how you doing? Doing great. It's uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I'm look very, very much looking forward to this show and for the special guest that we have with us today. Well, why don't you introduce them since you guys go way back. Let's not go way, way back. We don't want to talk about our age here. That's starting off on the wrong foot here. <laughs> Dory, go ahead. Well, we have J.C. Pearson with us, and uh, J.C. and I have known each other since college. And uh, we'll go a little bit about the story behind the story, J.C., but how are you doing today, and, and where are you? I'm doing very well, and uh, glad to be on the show. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for joining us. So, a little bit of background for for our listeners, and that is that uh, JC is from Oceanside, California, and we met on a recruiting trip. JC came up here because he thought he wanted to be a husky, and uh, so gets off the plane, and it is pouring down rain. It's the middle of December. <laughs> it, it's Seattle. Yeah. It's Washington. Bowl it should practice. be raining. Right. Bowl and it, practice, yeah. Yeah, and and what else? What else do you remember? Bowl practice and and, and Dory was my host. How about that? <laughs> Way back then, back in again, we don't want to date ourselves, so don't want to say the year, but <laughs> way way back, and uh, and Dory was my host for that weekend, and lo and behold, I uh, ended up coming to the University of Washington. Absolutely did. I think, um, well, as you got off the plane and it was pouring down rain and, and I'm thinking, okay, we, this is, this is when we really have to get our work cut out for us. And I, I remember walking down the tunnel at Husky stadium at the old Husky stadium and it was raining so hard. We could hear the rain as we were walking down the tunnel and we go out onto the field and the guys are just flying around and hitting and excited because they're getting ready to go to a bowl game. And uh, I looked at JC, and, and you looked at me, and I was like, well, what do you think? And he said, I think I want to be a Husky. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty impressive. And, uh, you know, I, I had heard about the rain anyway. Everybody knows it rains in Washington. Uh, I'm a California guy, but, uh, but the Huskies were the thing. Uh, at that time, uh, just like they seem to be on their way back to being that thing now, but uh, it was uh, it was very impressive, and I'm glad I came. It changed my life. Well, it changed all of our lives seriously because uh, being able to get to know you, and we've been friends all these years, and watching your career and what you do on and off the field, JC, you set that really great example of what it means to not only be a student athlete, but what it means to give back to your community and and to be a pillar of the community. And I, I just can't tell you how exciting it is every time I see and hear something out there that you're doing. And so can you fill us in right now with what you're doing at this point in time and how yeah. you got to this point? Um, well, obviously, I, you know, after I left Washington, I, I ended up playing eight years in the National Football League, seven years uh, here in Kansas City where I still live, and then my last season with the Minnesota Vikings. But 
Um, it's ironic you talk about uh, some of the things that uh, we do off the field. Uh, earlier today, I left. Uh, we had a Chiefs Ambassadors uh, alumni meeting and talked about all the things that you know are upcoming that we do off the field with uh, you know various organizations, whether it's Special Olympics, whether it's um, Children's Hospital, and, and all these things that we raise money for throughout the year, um, and then we donate um, back to these these charitable funds for these kids to help kids, whether it's, you know, reading programs, whether it's health issues, whether it's uh, books, whether it's food, whether it's whatever, just anything we can do to help in the community. And and uh, the, the thing that I think trumps all that we do is everything we do is for the kids. So it has to be a children's organization and something that, uh, that uh, really helps children. Well, and you you were up here uh, for the Detlef Shrimp Gala and Auction and Golf uh, Opportunity, or excuse me, Foundation and Gala that we had, and it was it was just I mean, aside from the fact that we got to have some time and catch up, um, it's also that was also about giving back to the kids. And just thank you for your time when you came up for that event. Right, I mean, it's, it's great, and, and one of the things about being a former professional athlete, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever, uh, there's a lot of crossover there. There's a lot of friends. There's a lot of crossover between the leagues. And so everyone tries to support each other. And, and not only uh, in these events where you raise money for the kids, but it's great for us because we get to the fellowship. We get to see one another. Uh, that we haven't you see guys that you haven't seen in a long time. It's a great event. And you're raising money at the same time. So it's a win-win all the way around. Well, again, all your time and efforts and, and friendship has been much appreciated over the years. What could you tell us about um, anything that's going on with you regarding or your thoughts regarding the, uh, the 1985 Orange Bowl team because the Purple Rain defense was inducted into the Husky Hall of Fame? So can you tell us about that game? About the game itself? Well, about um, that season, the game, anything you remember about that that year oh yeah i mean uh you know it was a magical year phenomenal you, yeah. you remember all of it you know i can remember pretty much every game of the year um but of course you know we we had to let down against usc which which obviously came back to haunt us but uh man what a great year that was great orange bowl uh had a great time great week uh in miami and uh you know <laughs> no one uh in terms of media really gave us a chance to win that game and you know, everything was really about Oklahoma and how much they were going to win by, and if they won the number of points, they were going to be the national champions. And, uh, and we went out there and we put it on them. You know, I'll tell you one thing though: during the week they had, they had, they thought it was a good idea at the time, but they had a cruise ship and they had both teams on the cruise ship, which was the dumbest thing ever. I mean, how are you going to put us together on a cruise ship? Nowhere to go. And, man, I tell you what, it almost turned into a full-on brawl. I mean, they had to separate us because it, it got that ugly. And, uh, you know, I don't think they do that anymore, and, and uh, they shouldn't because you can't put two teams on there that's getting ready to, 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 to go to war, so to speak, um, in a big game like that on a boat together. So uh, that's something I'll, I'll never forget either because we were ready to go at it. Uh, from that point, 
you know, up until that point and from that point on, we were ready to go. Well, and Washington nationally really hadn't been getting the respect it deserved. And so for for my dogs to go out and put a stamp on it like you guys did was more than exciting. And about, let's see, three years ago when the Purple Rain defense was inducted into the Husky Hall of Fame, Carol James told another story behind the story on the outcome of that season and how Washington lost out by being the national champions by one vote. Right, right. And supposedly that one vote was uh, Jim Walden, the, the Wazoo coach. And, uh, you know, obviously we beat them that year at Wazoo um, to, to get the Orange Bowl first, actually. So that, for him to not vote us in, you know, obviously there was more to it, you know, some harsh feelings there as well. But supposedly he was the one vote that, that kept us from uh, winning the national championship. And BYU ended up winning it, even though they played a lesser opponent in Michigan in the Holiday Bowl. Which that same year <laughs> we went to Michigan and beat Michigan at Michigan. Right. And and they and they struggled to beat Michigan uh, in the Holiday Bowl in San Diego that year. So that was our only common opponent, and you know we beat Michigan handily at Michigan. So you know it. Uh, you know, we should, we feel like that we should have gotten it. Um, it would have been nice to, of course, but uh, that uh, that that's always a sore topic for any of us. Still, I know. So, thank you for sharing all those memories and the inside story behind the story, JC. That was awesome. Yeah, and it, I mean, we we can go on and on. I got <laughs> many of them. Trust me, uh, many memories about that week and that season. But uh, you know, it's good still to to see the guys and, and talk to the guys, you know, we still communicate whether it's Facebook or text message or phone or whatever. So, you know, a lot of the guys are still in contact, which is great. Before we get into the SB 206 and we're talking with JC Pearson, um, are you following the team now? Are you watching the Husky games and are you following the quarterback Eason and how they're playing, uh, this season? Yeah, as much as I can. Um, you know, I watched, uh, watched the game uh, last week, the USC game, of course. Yeah. Um, saw that and uh, uh, saw the game earlier um, the week before that. But, uh, yeah, I, I try to follow them as much as I can and, you know, when it, read up on them as much as I can. And, you know, you talked earlier about how Washington doesn't get a lot of respect nationally. You know, I think it's a the whole Pac-12 issue because the games, you know, out there – the West Coast games, and sometimes they're on late at night and, and that kind of stuff. So we don't get a lot of those games um, here Midwest and East anyway. So whenever they do come on, I try to try to definitely catch them. Well, many, you're, you're on the same boat as many other people, and that is that they're still trying to get this game time situation set up. And as you know, J.C., it has to do with who's, who has the contract and the, the broadcasting right. contracts, right? It's between Absolutely ESPN, right. Fox, and Pac-12. And yeah. uh, so, as you know, there, there, there is that fight with it. But um, I think we'll have another one. Well, we have those two 1230s. So, but this one against Stanford, it's a 730 game. So uh, get, get, get your nap on first. <laughs> there you go. I'll be ready. Okay. <laughs> okay, JC. On Monday, uh, Governor 
uh, Gavin Newsom from uh, California passed the SB 206 bill. And just to simplify it, really simplify it, it's uh, pretty much the college athletes are going to be able to get paid for their name, image, and likeness starting in 2023. When you first right. heard about this, what were your thoughts? Well, you know, obviously, obviously I'm all for it. Um, and I think it, it's, it's time and it's needed, it's necessary. Um, but then on the other hand, you know, my, my hesitation is, is how is it going to work? You know, there's no way that California can be the only state that's, that's doing that and allowing that because then obviously you have a competitive advantage because all the kids are going to want to go to California because yeah. they can get paid. Um, so I don't know if, if, if they're trying to force the NCAA's hand to allow it nationally, but something is going to have to give before 2023 because, you know, again, like I said, California cannot just be the only state doing it. Uh, it would be a huge competitive advantage. So um, something is going to get worked out. It needs to get worked out. It's overdue. The players, you know, there's so much money now uh, in college football um, that you have to do something, you know. But yeah. but the big question is what and how. That's the thing because it has to be fair and equitable across the board. And, you know, I don't think you can just say, hey, look, you know, let's look at the Power Five conferences and, and not the Mountain West or the WAC and those schools that maybe don't generate as much money as the Power Five schools, but yet those kids are still Division One scholarship athletes. Um, do you not pay them? Do you, you know, so it, it's always been a question of, of how do you do it equitably. And yeah, I think, it, you know, hopefully this is the first step, but uh, I think there's still a long, long way to go before it actually comes to fruition. And I think that's why this bill is going to go into effect in 2023 is going to allow. I know there's been talk already about senators uh, trying to push this uh, bill or version of this bill nationally, because like you mentioned, there's no way that the state of California can have this bill. They're going to have a distinct advantage, especially, you know, not so much, you know, your mid-level players, but your, you know, your top level players, your, your, you know, your five tool athletes that are going to going to go to California. So they've already started talking about that. And the NCAA is going to have to figure out something on, uh, on a compromise, because if not, they're going to lose the cash cow and how that affects the players, the schools, and probably the coaches. Because I remember, and I, I, we, we all are old enough to remember, where you went to the NFL to make money. And now you don't do yeah. that because you have coaches making nine, ten, eleven million dollars a year uh, doing college football or, or these other sports, you know, Shashevsky and the money he's making. And right. those exactly. those are the areas that might be affected by some of these these uh, transactions and everything that's going to happen. So it's going to be really, really interesting. The one thing that we definitely know, no matter what they want to do, you know, the cat's out the bag and it's not going back in. And this is right. going to change the landscape of the NCA and and sports, you know, where where we're going to be saying quote unquote amateur sports, which I'm not sure in the future we, we're going to be even able to do that. Maybe if it's a club sport, lacrosse, golf, maybe, but I don't even know if that's going to happen. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of changes going forward, and I think that they're giving themselves those four years to try to get some kind of semblance of I, I don't even know what you want to call it, but. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And, and you know, right? And, and Will, it, it's so it's it's tough to 
to find out and to find that exact model because, you know, like you said, it, you know, if this model passes and, you know, who are the guys that are going to get paid? Yeah. You know, the, the guys that are the, just the top guys? Well, if I'm not one of those top guys, let's say you're, you're a running back, um, but you, you're not successful without an offensive line. Yeah. So, you know, do you get all the money, the offensive linemen don't get any money, or, you know, how does that work? It, you know, just with even with jersey sales, you know, we all know that the skill position guys are the ones that, you know, everybody wants to wear their jersey, whether it's the quarterback, the running back, the receiver, or whatever, but they're not successful without those guys up front. Yeah. So so and, let me, let me, let me ask so, you, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. So I, I was saying, so how do you, you know, they've got to come up with some kind of model that is equitable for everybody because mm-hmm. if I'm one of those guys up front or, or let's say I'm not the star on the team, but I'm still a starter and, and we're winning, obviously I'm contributing, but yet maybe they're not, you know, I'm not the superstar and they're not selling my jersey, so I'm not going to get any, I'm not going to get the same money as someone else is getting. It, it's going to cause a lot of problems you know, between the players, locker room. Yep. I mean, that's pretty much a professional locker room then because, you know, those are issues that professional players have. You know, I'm making this much money, but I'm doing this, and he's making that, and he's doing less than me. But, you know, so it, it becomes a difficult situation. And I'm not really sure that, that 18 to 21-year-olds, that that's something that they are – ready to handle right because even even at the professional level sometimes it gets it, it gets a little bit sticky in the locker room as you just mentioned the other part right. with one, one thing they've done and this might be just one of those little side examples but with division three with with the naia um they have what they call talent grants right and based on the the um athletic ability or or the uh, of that kid they would get a little bit more money but that also had to do with what was their gpa so the grant that these kids got was based on their what the value they had to towards the team and what was their gpa so because they're they were still considered student athletes and what was their community service what did that look like so those three things together gave them a certain percentage of the money available like you guys had scholarships, right? NCAA Division One right. players have scholarships. Well, with the NAIA, right. they couldn't give scholarships. They gave what they called talent grants. And it was a combined yeah. piece that had to do with community service, their GPA, and and then their athletic talent. And then that that's yeah. how the money was dispersed. Or yeah. the scholarships, quote-unquote, was dispersed. It, yeah, and again, it, it's going to be hard to come up with that perfect solution. With the formula. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, that was that was what was so good about college is we were all in the same boat. Yes, you know we we all got our same scholarship check. We were all in the same boat. We all struggled together, basically. Yeah. Because, you know, we we struggled. Right. Um, so now, if you have some guys that are getting a lot more money, and they're it, it can just cause a lot of problems. Yeah. I think you have to find a way to to keep it equitable where you're giving everybody that's on scholarship the same amount of money and then you alleviate a lot of the issues. And um, they, but and, again, how do you do that? Yeah, and so if the pool of money that, that players 
can receive at the NCAA level increases, then then what one player brings to the team, that then does help everybody, right? So if you have the right. pool of money that is larger based on this bill, that could be a way to disperse it because then everybody is getting more and that still keeps the team concept. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and that's true, you know, so if one team, but then you have the issue then, Jory, uh, let's say Washington is, is drawing, bringing in a lot more money than than uh, UCLA. Right. Does that give that gives them a competitive advantage because kids are saying, if I go to Washington, I'm going to get X number of dollars. If I go to UCLA, I'm only going to get this. So it's not it's not a level playing ground, which you know you want to keep college football on a level playing ground so that everyone has the same access to go and recruit the same guys and. And that's really what makes college football what it is. What a great point, JC. Uh, that's a great point. So, it, you know, it, again, the, the ideology of it all is great. It's needed. It's necessary. But the problem is, how do you do it? How do you implement yeah. it and make it fair for everybody? And then, let's say, you know, what do you do with the rest of the athletes? You know, some schools are, are, are more basketball dominated schools and, and bring in more revenue like a, like say at Kentucky or say at Duke. So do you, you know, how do you justify that? You know, or do you pay the basketball players more than the football players? Say, <laughs> right. You know, it, 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 yeah, it's just, it's hard to come up with an equitable solution. Yes. Well, what's going to happen with a lot of these guys, they, they're all going to have their own legal representation, right? So, you know, agents and, uh, you know, other creative ways lawyers are going to be involved with what they do. Um, also, I'm not sure if the NCA has to figure out a way to do compensation. You know, if, if that's the way they handle it, whether if it's they're generating a, a X amount of money, but they don't see that money while they're in school, it kind of goes into a bank or, or, or some kind of extra scholarship or something like that. So everybody stays on the same playing field while you're still making money but you don't see that money until you're done so everyone there stays kind of equal even though you're banking stuff but you know i'm not showing up in my pinto and somebody else is showing up in a in a lexus or something like that again yeah you know again you can it all sounds great i think what they have to do is is pay everybody the same amount of money yeah and you can't say like you know if i if i'm Let's say, for instance, right now I'm Jalen Hurts, you know, University of Oklahoma, who is, you know, obviously a, one of the leading Heisman guys right now. You can't say that, okay, well, Jalen, um, you're going to sell more jerseys, so we're going to put money aside for you because, you know, and then you can get it when you're done because without that offensive line, he can't throw the ball. Without those receivers catching right. the ball, he's not putting up the numbers. So, you know, you can't just say it's all on him and now we're going to pay him because it's more to it than him. So, you know, I I don't think you can ever at the college level start to single guys out and say, you're going to make more money than someone else. I think they got to come up with a way to say, this is what we're going to do. People are complaining that they don't have money to, for extracurricular activities, whether it's, you know, buying a pizza or going out on a date, we're going to give everybody across the board, whatever, you know, $5,000 a month, $4,000 a month, whatever, right. on top of your scholarship. And now you're not going to have those concerns. And 
and those issues. And I think people are going to have to live with that. You know, the guys can't say, you know, they can't, it's not a, a time to be selfish and say, well, my jersey is the one selling in the bookstore. Well, yeah, it might be, but if you were out there by playing by yourself, you wouldn't be successful. So you can't do that. You're right. That jersey wouldn't be selling, and, and that does take away from that whole part about what is so special about college football and college, college football. sports. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely exactly. Right. So, J.C. And then if, and, yeah, go ahead. And I was going to say, and then if everybody is getting the same stipend, whether it's, you know, let's say hypothetically $4,000, whether it's, you know, whether it's Washington, whether it's Florida State, whether it's Duke, whether it's wherever – well, everybody's still on a level playing field, per yeah. se. And now you can still continue to recruit and try to get the best talent you can get because um, everybody's the same. Well, all these all these uh, politicians, they need to hear you. They need to hear what you've just said. The NCAA president needs to hear what you've just said uh, because it makes a whole lot of sense, JC. And, boy, yeah, we no, – oh, yeah, go ahead. And that's the problem. You know, every, everything is about money. Yeah. You know that the NCAA is about money. Uh, Mark yeah. Emery you know, doesn't they, want to open up that uh, that wallet. Trust me, he doesn't it, want to leave exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> you know the NCAA really. You know if we want to be real about it, the NCAA needs to rehaul themselves or yes or you know or kind of go away because they they're an organization that kind of you know what do they do you know besides you know penalize people but is it when they do that is it actually fair. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things, you know, I mean, to say that, you know, kids can't get a T-shirt, kids can't, you know, I mean, the NCAA, NCAA needs to look at their rules and, and bylaws, and I think revamp a lot of those things as well. And maybe this bill will help them do that and, and not keep dragging their feet on what needs to be revamped. Maybe that will right. kind of put that, put start a little fire under them and say, okay, now you got to put, you know, when push comes to shove, we really need to step yeah. it up and make some changes. Well, well, yeah, this bill is going to force them to do something. They got to do something by 2023, or you know, it's going to get real ugly around the, the college landscape. JC, we've taken so much of your time right now. Um, There's going to be a lot more on this uh, subject, and we'd love to uh, grab you another day and talk some more UW. And we didn't get into the Chiefs and the NFL, and <laughs> I mean, so Absolutely. so many things to talk about. Uh, I hey, mean, anytime, man. We, we'd love to have you on and, uh, and and keep uh, this conversation and many mother many others uh, continuing. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And as long as I'm available, I'll be more than happy to come on with you guys. Absolutely. Thanks, JC. Great to hear from you, bud. Thanks, guys. Uh, congratulations. Keep doing your thing. Thanks, JC. Have a good evening. All right. All right. All right. Bye bye. That was JC Pearson. Wow. That was awesome. They, we really appreciate his uh, time, uh, you know, busy man. And, uh, wow, the good old days, uh, talking about that 1985 oh. uh, team with, uh, obviously, uh, Don James. Uh, you know, I wanted to poke the bear a little bit and say, what do you think about BYU? And, you know, <laughs> what do you think about BYU beating B- a Michigan team that was 6-6 six oh, and six and they, yeah. they put them ahead and then uh, having a coach in your own conference just kind of dig you in and, and um, that's the reason you don't get the national championship. But uh, we don't want to do that. We'll, we'll save that for the second time. When <laughs> oh, J- and and JC has, uh, I mean, he seriously, he is one of those 
exemplary student athletes that not only did he take the opportunity because he went to a junior college right out of high school yeah. and he was not a highly recruited uh, D1 student athlete at all. So he went to a junior college and then um, came to Washington and that absolutely was that Washington was his first choice absolutely was his first choice he had some other trips planned and um decided to come to washington and and i will just tell you that he's the kind of quality individual that uh really makes all of this work and by this i mean athletics community family just gets it. it you know think about it he was he was undrafted from the nfl Yes. And then played so many years with the yes. Chiefs and then with the Vikings. I mean, I wanted to talk about quarterbacks, you know, and get into Pat Mahomes. I mean, he played with Todd Blackage and uh, Steve DeBerg and Dave Craig, right? Seattle's D- Dave Craig. He played yeah. with him. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask about the craziness from Jim McMahon when he was with the Vikings and Sean Sh- uh, Salisbury. I mean, there's so many things. And, and we'll, like I said, we'll, you know, we'll have them on and just have one of those, you know, fun conversations, no yes. agendas. It, it was one no. of those things that we just kind of wanted to get some feedback because of what had happened uh, on Monday. And um, just to kind of get some uh, perspective from, you know, former player and, you know, really a teacher, right? Because when you're you're teaching, you're coaching, even though if you're just a player, but you're working with other people, you've been in the system, you see how it works. There are concerns, which he he brought up. Mm -hmm. How how are they going to be equal pay? You know, how are you still going to keep the continuity in your locker room where one person is not getting upset with the other? Uh, You know, maybe the schools have to get themselves an agent themselves and say, hey, uh, the Washington Huskies are now going to do a commercial for J.C. Pearson's uh, Mazda dealership, and they all go down there, and that's the way they get revenue for the whole team, yeah. and that all goes into a I don't know what they're going to do, but there's yeah. going to have to be some creativity. They've got the four years. NCAA, I mean, when this first came out a couple months ago, Mark Emmerich threatened California, saying that right. he was going to pull them, and realized that it's not going no. to happen. And, and really, the other part is is that it, it's not like this just happened in the last couple years. I mean, the O'Bannon brothers, Ed O'Bannon yes. from UCLA, yes. started this, and he did not, it did not turn out successful on their behalf. However, it got the ball rolling. I'm surprised it's taken this long for a bill to be passed in any state based on, based on what the O'Bannon brothers started. What was that? 20 years ago. Yeah, maybe a little bit less, but yeah, we're, we're, we're close to that. Listen, it, it should be called the Ed O'Bannon bill when it's all said and done. <laughs> I, I mean, really. I mean, he's the yeah. one. And listen, yes. this is the NCAA's fault. They got greedy with the video games. That's where it really started. It, when they started kicking out this NCAA, you got it on your PlayStation, your Xbox, mm-hmm. and you had likeness between yep. the football and basketball players. You had coaches on the sidelines in these basketball games. Right. You had player names on there, and then eventually they got slick, took the names off, but you could put a cheat code in and then put the names yeah. back on. Yeah. But them getting extra greedy with these video games, mm-hmm. making millions and millions of dollars, really is kind of where people started looking around, especially at O'Bannon, saying, this is not right. Yeah, this You're is not right. You're making money. Yeah. So by them being extra greedy, because we know they are greedy, right. extra greedy, now it's cost them. And this Pandora's box is going to be fascinating. Right. Because, it's, you know, this is going to be one of those things, like when we think about uh, free agency, 
you know, and, yes. and, and how that changed and, and all the different things that have affected sports. And now here at the NCAA level, right. this is the beginning of major, right. major change that's going to happen. And it's and, and because it's at the college level, this is the first time that this kind of, of scrutiny, I mean, it's been out there, but it, this is now at a national level. It is absolutely at a national level. And you have professors who have written about this subject for years now coming back out and, and being interviewed. And it, it just it makes so much economic sense. My brothers were both scholarship or walk-on NCAA athletes yeah. at football. And, but neither, and they earned a scholarship, okay? But they still had to. My parents still took out student loans in order to so that they they had food yeah right because the scholarship money covers books covers room and board and they always had food and a little bit like when i say pocket money i mean you might have had a hundred dollars left over and that was to cover any other incidental out there right it was a blockbuster night not going to the movies exactly exactly so um for you young bucks that don't know ride. what Blockbuster is, look it up. <laughs> There's one left, I think, isn't it? The last one left I in Bend, no Oregon. Anyway, um, so no, it was great. It, and it was fantastic um, talking with JC. Absolutely fantastic. So uh, thank you again, JC, for taking the time out of your day and, and joining us. And what an insightful amount of information he had to share with us today. I have a question for you. Yes. Parents are crazy. Right. Can, can we say that? You know, we're talking as far as coaching and, and, okay. and seeing them on the sidelines. We're not talking about your middle school fiasco. We're, we're not going to get into that. We don't oh, want to get you in trouble. Oh, man, with all that. my middle school ain't a fiasco, man. But, Come on now. All anyway, right. But, you know, I, I'm just thinking about. Right. So let, let's say that for the time being and it might change. It is going to change. Right. Yeah. But let's just say that this goes across the board for all D1 oh. schools. Oh, yeah. No, only parent. D1 schools. Right. Which, yeah. Right. Okay. Only right. D1 schools yep. that this goes into effect. What about the parents, especially now we're talking about the high school level, that are going to put the pressure on coaches to play little Johnny, you know, little Gloria, to say, hey, I need exposure. They've got to play. They have to get into this program. They have to play X amount of time. Uh, coaches say, well, uh, you know, the boosters child is playing. I got to play them and I've got to run up the score because they only had two goals and they need five goals. So the score is now 10 to one instead of four to one and pull it back. Like think about just that level and what I'll get into anymore. But just to give you an idea, yeah. what would that do? To the oh. parents, the coaches, the organizations, the communities, the teammates. Wow. Well, the trickle-down effect, one of the things I can see is people coming out of the woodwork saying that they are the ones that has that has the connection to a certain, uni- certain university, yeah. and then they will get the parents to pay them to promote their, their kid, right? I can see kids changing from year to year from one school to another in order to feel like they're going to get more playing time and it's not going to matter which program they're going to. As long as my kid gets playing time, I don't really care what's happening with the team. And I can just see the whole concept of why kids play sports in the first place completely being flipped upside down. You know, Scott, uh, Scott Ligo, yeah. uh, a good friend of, uh, of the show, 
uh, I believe it was maybe three or four shows ago, and we were talking about an incident about a family that was got scammed out of. Oh, we talked about that. Yeah, you know, thousands yeah. of dollars. Yes, because you know the coach was saying, or or the the agent, you know, the pretend agent was saying that he had to connect into a school. So that was just on this level, but, you know. But the fact that you even mentioned that. How many more of those examples are going right. to be there? Scammers. Yes. You know, guys that are saying, hey, I could do this for $1,000 where a, a reputable firm could do it for 5000 or whatever the case right. is. You know, whatever the example right. is, is going to be so many murky yeah. waters, especially in the beginning of all of this. Mm -hmm. But, the, you know, the train's out the station. It is. And it's also going to in, it's also going to impact um, re recruiting rules and recruiting and and. and potential recruiting violations because the NCAA does have certain rules regarding recruiting, right? And so then those rules are going to be, it's going to get, there will be a lot of very blurred lines and it will be much more difficult, okay, if you still are trying to keep the recruiting rules within the framework of the NCAA, all of that is going to be Null and void. Uh, they're going to be there. There won't be any. A great example and, is and maybe good. That's what they want. Why would a kid sign a national letter of intent? No reason. There's no reason. There's no reason to sign the national letter of intent. No but what that does, I mean, boy, does that make it crazy town for the coaches though? Yeah. When you're trying to build a program. Yeah. Uh, Wow. How hard is that job? We, we know plenty of coaches, right? How hard is that on the coaches already, right? Uh, recruiting, flying, phone calls, visit. And, and, and a lot of that's happening during the football season also, you well, know, right. along with the other stuff. That now but, you're going to have a whole other element. Yeah. Who's coming? You know, they said they will, but they didn't sign a like Right. It, it's just. But the, letter, but, but the recruiting rules, the NCAA recruiting rules really were put in place to protect the high school players because it was a way for them to get a break and a breather from having coaches calling, knocking on the doors, showing up at their homes 24-7, 365. That's why there's a dead period, okay? It's also yep. to give the coaches a break. But more than that, it really is to give those players the opportunity. They're in high school. Let them live their high school careers Okay, without all of the craziness that, that comes with the recruiting process. I mean, seriously, let them do that. And there, there may not need to be as many coaching visits because if you're not trying to get a kid to sign a letter of intent, what's the reason for you to be in their home, right? If all schools are going to be kept equal, again, we don't know how all this money business is going to turn out with the likeness, but it just seems to me that the recruiting rules that have been put in place and changed along the way, but have been put in place, it really is to protect the system. And I'm not saying that all the rules are great, right? But this money piece, this doesn't have to change the recruiting rules. It really doesn't. Because the contact with a player has to still be regulated. Otherwise, it, it will be absolutely, absolute chaos. For the players, for their families, for the coaches, for everybody. The Pac-12 uh, made an announcement, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to read a little bit here, saying that they were disappointed in uh, the SB 206. They uh, believe that it's going to be negative consequences for the student-athletes 
and the universities in California. Uh, they be- believe the legislation will lead to professionalization of college sports and m- many unintended consequences related to the professionalism that imposes a state law that conflicts with national rules. The lines will be blurred, yada, 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 so on and so forth. They're, they're expressing their negativity about this whole situation, and that is uh, paraphrasing from the Pac-12. Well, and they they can voice their negativity and disappointment in it, but isn't the Pac-12 office in the state of California? Yeah, and, and it yeah, was released it also with the same with a similar statement they, that with the NCA. They the NCA released a statement also well, saying the same thing. Well, right, but the Pac-12. I mean, every conference out there will probably be releasing the same type of statement because why? Because they're still a part of the NCAA. So what is really their choice, right? Yeah. Yeah, Mark not Emmett, right now. Mark Emmert probably sent a uh, an email to the heads and say, "Hey, here's the party line. You know that we're, we're releasing a statement. I strongly, you know, suggest that you guys do the same. Right, and let's hope there wasn't any. And if you don't, we will, you know, put well, some sort of a punitive. Well, you know, we, we damage it on before. It. You know, Mark Emmert threatened um, uh, California uh, a few months ago. He he said he yeah. he, he threatened the schools. He, he talked about if you do this, we're going to kick you out of the NCA, which they have twenty three D one schools, uh, four of them in the Pac twelve, and we're talking about major schools. There, there's no oh. way. It's just desperation for the part of Mark Emmert and the NCAA. Right, because you know what they could do? They could just form their own football college football conference over there what what would keep what would keep the state of california okay let's just say mark emmert not only did he say this but then he thinks he has the power to enforce it well he know, he knows he does it right yeah. okay but let's just say okay let's just say he's living on in la la land and thinks he has the power to enforce the threaten the threat that he put out there okay state of california guess what they have now formed their own ncaa college football programs over there and they'll say okay man we don't need you we've got another one going right and that's that is, i do not that is not what we want no that it, is it, not what we want it, we do not, not want happen. this divisiveness that, that's not going to happen I know, what's going to happen but, with the players is they're going to become like professionals they're, they're going to need a union they're, they're going to need a players union the, these are all the things that we you know we didn't get into right but you see but that's going to be the reality all these players are, are eventually going to have to unionize, and they're going to there. And, and you're talking about how do you get all the other players' money? Well, that's how you do it. You're, you're, the the money's going into the union, is getting dispersed, and there's going to be a players' association. There, there's going to be a, there's so many hundred and ten Division One football schools. Yeah, a hundred and ten. There there are thirty two NFL teams. To me, that sounds like an. A, an unsurmountable a lot of process. Something's got to happen. Oh, though. okay. All right. So let's let's move on. We could go. We could go on and on with with all this, <laughs> and and there's going to be plenty of time to there will get into this. And as it changes, as uh, new developments occur, as other states join Shit. in, as senators pass bills and make it a, na- a national thing, it's going to happen. It's only a matter of time. Yes. Right now, we're just throwing out a bunch of different ideas and just thoughts, but that's all it is because yeah. eventually this is all going to formulate, and we're going to know exactly what's happening or at least there's going to be a ground level and yeah. they're going to have to keep building on that and changing as the years go on um 
Should we talk a little NFL? What were you thinking? No, no. I, no. I, I want to okay. talk. I want. I want to kind of go back to what happened with uh, because we talked about it last week with the Cougars, right? I want to talk oh, about Leach, Mike Leach, and um, what happened after the game that they <laughs> lost. So I, I, I know you know. So, well, you know what, what? What did Mike Leach? What, what did crazy Mike Leach, air raid Leach, uh, share his thoughts after the loss last week? Well, he aired. A lot of thoughts about the air raid that didn't happen is what he did and the defense. And he called his players out. He's always been a coach that has tended to throw some players under the bus. He would throw his coaches under the bus. Uh, He believes that that's the best way to motivate, right? To put it out there and whatever you think, you say. And sometimes some of the things he says should probably be kept in the locker room and just for players ears and not out there for the public. But Mike Leach has become his own little entity, right? And the fact that he called his players lazy, fat, and entitled, and then proceeded to say that they've been reading too much of their own press, sitting in their apartments, thinking how good we are because of what they did last year when there were so many returning players this year, and continued in his post-game press conference to call the players out. And I'm not sure, and and I guess we'll see on Saturday, but I'm not sure that's always the best way to motivate. In fact, as, as a coach, as the daughter of coaches, as the sister of coaches yeah. – and as a player, I can promise you that would not be the way to motivate your players to play better. You know, as a parent, um, there's probably a phone call kind of going into the office and uh, wanting some answers because obviously you're, you're sending your, your child to the university to get an education first and foremost, Right. Football is second, and student, you know, activities, so on and so forth. But I don't want my child lumped in with those kind of comments because what you're telling me is that if you're willing to share that out in the public, then what's happening behind closed doors? Yeah. And it, it whether it is happening or not, but it allows me to have that thought in my head and question exactly where my child's at and, and the program that he's he's in. So that phone call will be going in because I want kind of an explanation or at least, you know, whether it's to the office, to the coach and to my child yeah. and saying, Hey, you know, maybe my child turns around and says, Hey, that, that, he's just, it's just noise. Yep. He's just, he's just, he's just squawking. He, you know, it's showtime. It, it's, it's for the cameras, you know, it's, it's just kind of what he's doing uh, to, to change the boat. You know, we, he, you know, he's great with us. He takes care of us. You know, it's his uh, his actions are different than his words. But still, I I don't like that. I don't want to hear that about my program. If I'm running, if I'm the 80 there, I don't want to hear that about my program. I don't want my coach to talk about my program. I don't want my coach to talk like that about my student athletes. This is not something I want to see or hear. Yeah. And it might be that maybe there are two sides to Mike Leach, but I'm pretty sure from people we've spoken to that there aren't two sides to Mike Leach, that what you see in the press conference, that that is what you get. And if you try to do things to prove him wrong, you, you will you, you will end up not on the good side of Mike Leach, and you end up in the 
dog house, so to speak, cougar house, cat house, because if any, if you do anything that tries to prove him wrong, that he made the wrong choice or wrong decision about something, then, then, then you have a long way to dig yourself out. And I just seriously, I still don't think that, I mean, we know, I only reason I say we know is that there are, there are, there are people that I've talked to that say he's no different in that press conference as he is in the locker room. And the only thing that really saves him is that the players play for the assistant coaches. Hmm. Well, you know, it's, it, on, on a good note, you know, it's like the, the Minshew uh, watch. Gar- yep. Dude, he, he had another great week. Incredible throws. Uh, incredible pocket awareness, uh, got a little banged up, stayed in the game, led his team on a game-winning drive. I'm just just keep it going as long as possible because right. it's good for the game. It's good. Yeah. It's good for football. It's good for the fan base. I saw the commercial he did with Uncle Rico. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's absolutely so much fun, and, and it's what we one of the things that we love about sports is that fun aspect. Yeah. And he's just having a blast. So, yeah. you know, another week he's doing great. I want to see him keep playing well, and um, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Um, we, you mentioned the dogs before, and your dogs are going out to Stanford yes. uh, to play Stanford. Yes. And uh, they just came off a, uh, a win yep. this past week. And uh, what, first off, before we go to, to Stanford, you know, what were your thoughts on, uh, on the win for the Huskies? Um, I think that the the game Over felt, the Trojans, by the over way. Over the Trojans. Yeah, USA. the Huskies over the Trojans. Yeah. Um, the, it did feel like the game was closer than the score. Yes, it did. Okay. And I wasn't ever sure until it got to 0-0 that we were going to leave the leave with a win. And I, I'm highly, it looked a little sloppy. It looked messy. The defense really stepped up. Okay. Got some picks when they needed to. Yeah. And they got tough. But I will tell you that I really felt that our offensive coordinator did not put our offense in the best position to win and the plays that are called and the in the order that they're called and it make, makes makes me wonder if they actually number one know the kind of talent that we truly have on this team okay and number two we no offense Boise State we are not Boise State Stop with the trick plays on your own side of your fifty, yeah. and that and one of them turned into a fumble yeah. and caused terrible field position. And then the kickoff after the after the uh, Savon Ahmed touchdown run. Yep. That whatever that was, okay. I, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. Maybe SC was showing something on film where guys were leaving early, and so they thought it would be a good idea to do it, right, to do that little 30-yard kickoff. But what that ended up doing is giving USC great field position, and they went down and scored. Yeah, I think Fuller had a tough game. Um, you, you know, that's I, I, he's a good player. I'd like to see a little bit more. I'm, I'm, it just seems like week in, week out, there's something out there on the field from from him that's you know a little uh struggling on on his behalf but i i agree with the with the coaching um they're gonna go down and to yeah, stanford right and listen stanford has three freshmen on their offensive line 
which you never see. No. You never see Stanford playing offensive, I mean, freshmen right. Uh, right away. So it just shows you and tells you um, where they're at. But they're getting better. Well, they barely beat Oregon State. I mean, they yeah. barely beat but, Oregon State. But the, the offensive line is starting to get better. When, when you have freshmen, you expect that. I, I'm always worried about those teams where the first half they look terrible and they kind of figure out how to play. Right. Coaching's in there. They're coaching them up. They're teaching them. They're learning. And they're one of those teams at the end of the year, they're playing much better. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're doing the things that you expect from a Stanford team, right? right. You know, Stanford team, be very physical up front push the ball, yeah. you know, control the, the, the time of possession. You know, that's the, the type of um, of football team that Stanford is, that right. when we see them year in. And I'm just worried, like, I'm like, don't well, make it this week where they right. kind of start to, to start to put certain things yeah. together because if you watch them, they've been getting a little bit better. Every week you can yeah. see, like, they're, they're doing certain things and you could just tell, you know, Shaw's a great – you know he's he's a great coach, you know, right. and he's doing he's he's putting his program uh, together uh, nicely. Well, I'm thinking that if that's the case, and Washington should be getting better and better because we have some young guys on defense, right, that are tar- starting really to step good. up really and are good. really really, really good at really their good. position. Yeah. we have a veteran offensive line. Yeah, we have Savon Ahmed at at running back. Yep. We have some receivers that I want to see some more separation out of you guys. Get some separation and run those routes. Well, you got to throw the ball down the field, not these five-yard slants, but all right, I digress. No, you don't digress. You don't digress. Let's get aggressive with the play calling and, and have some sort of a plan. I just feel like that so far there's not been a plan. And go down and put a stamp on it in Stanford because we've not won at the farm what the last 10 times we went down there to play i mean seriously washington has not won at the farm i want to say it's been 10 trips down there and that's i mean oliver luck was there or not oliver sorry andrew luck oliver's the dad andrew luck had been the quarterback for all those years when we would go down to play and and not win right and not win not play our best but not and not win so it's time and we have two road trips in a row stanford and then down to u of a before we come back here and host oregon yeah that should be a good one yes all right we're gonna pick up the pace a little bit and then we're gonna wrap it up uh vontez perfect uh suspended for the remainder of the season yeah uh good riddance to bad rubbish uh i think he's a tremendous football player it's a shame that he's a he's a head case he is a tremendous football player, and he's just playing, you know, uh, 30 years too late. You know, that was all good in right. the 80s that was- and 90s and 70s. It, that's all great. You know, that's the way it was, you know. You know, quarterback gets rid of the ball, you know, you take him to the ground. You know, you finish the tackle. You finish the play. When you're in the bottom of the pile, you turn an ankle. You twist this. You turn and you bite him. You, like, that's the way, you know, old school football was. Right. And that's just not the way it is now. The, the hits that he's done, he the tight end Doyle, which he, with the last one that finally got him suspended, uh, helmet to helmet. And, um, you know, the Cam Newton, when he was trying to break his ankle, uh, the, the hit that he had on Antonio Brown that just laid him out, that was scary. He's one of these guys that the NFL and the players in the NFL should be afraid of because 
it's so violent. He's going to so end. Fast. He, he ends careers, and that's not what the game He's, of football is about. Not, no, he ends it's not careers. Like it's not like that anymore. Okay. You, can't, so, you can't play the game like that. Right. So maybe he needs to be in the in the UFC ring, or maybe he needs to be in the WWE. But there is no place whatsoever for guys to play like that what? and and to play with that type of intent. Well, that's what Greg Hardy is now, right? He's in the UFC. He's in MMA. Right. Maybe he needs to right. go over there. But he he has no remorse. Listen, I don't want to see him. He's he's had, I believe, Not it's a a, eleven or twelve or thirteen infractions. Uh, he's he's lost millions and millions of dollars from being suspended, which I don't care. But I don't want to see him again. You know, great football player, but it's just it's just it's just I, when you I, I watch don't... him play, I I don't want to see somebody laying on the field i don't need my kids or anybody else's kids watching saying why isn't that guy not moving you know it's just it's it's scary and i I hope that they don't reinstate him and i I hope he's gone for good but a great football player plays within the confines of the game okay and if they if they're outside the confines of the game and they get the they get penalized monetarily great and they change right because we've seen that happen then great but this guy just wouldn't change. So I don't even know that we could put great football player attached to his name because he's not willing to play the game the way the game needs to be played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just um, goodbye. Goodbye. Don't don't come back Yeah. Uh, before uh, you hurt somebody or even hurt yourself. You know, we saw that with Shazier, you know, uh, an, you know another uh, football player that played with his head down. And uh, I just, I just, we just don't need to see it because... Um, I, I remember Dennis Bird. Uh, we all have our players that we remember where they just laid there and didn't get up. And those things are really, really scary. And at their size, at the speed they play the game, yeah, it's going to end badly. And um, and if it doesn't, you put them back out there. If something does happen, it's your fault. It's because you already know what you have. Um, the Jets quarterback Sam Darnold, right? <laughs> right. Clear for practice. Um, he started practicing. There's no timetable when he's going to play. Um, I hate it. Uh, he's been out with mono. Um, that's just three weeks ago, right? And even if he had it, right, he played week one. So he already played with it. Right. Right. And mono, your spleen's enlarged. Uh, if you get hit, it could burst and you can die. Right. It, it is one of those type of injuries that you can die if you get hit. Um, being a coach, my son had mono. I know other kids that had mono, right? Their season ended on the spot. Right. On the spot. And my son had mono lead going into week one of the season and didn't play at all. Right. It is something that they, they're looking at minimum of two months, minimum, before you even work out practice run around or anything like that if the jets which are going to be terrible this year they already are just adam gaze is whatever i don't know how he got another job but apparently (laughs) he did and he got the gm fired listen do not put your franchise quarterback your young kid out there to win a game or two or three where you can injure him even if it's not his spleen I forgot what it's called. There's excessive tiredness that you can catch. I forgot the name of it, 
because of of this motto that if you go out there and try to do this activity, you can catch that. There, it's just there's so many reasons why not to put a kid out there to play football right. where grown men are hitting right. you. Please, please, New York Jets, yeah. don't do this to your young quarterback. He can get really, really hurt, and yeah. there's no reason for it. Yeah. Well, and I'm surprised that, uh, I mean, I know he wants to play, right? I mean, I don't know him personally, but I'm guessing he's been, he really wants to play. And I, I just can't imagine a doctor putting their reputation on the line to clear a player that still has some, that still is in danger, Right. With this, with having mono and and what that does to them physically, so I, I don't I, I all I can do is agree with you and say the Jets, man, y'all got to take a look at yourselves. I, I and just see. hope he doesn't need to be out there this season at all. No, to, and, to bring him back, and because if, he's been cleared for practice, right? Yeah. And practice, they're not in practice. The quarterbacks don't get hit. No, okay, no. so he's been cleared for practice, and maybe he's just cleared for practice just to get him just to get him out there and get him some. I don't know what practice but I really don't know I, I would hope that they don't have him out there trying to prepare him for a game do the Jets have a, a buy coming up is that they one already of the reasons it. they already had their buy yeah it was yeah, an early no buy there, yeah. there, there's no reason for him to be yeah. out there uh, when we had kids playing on our teams that had mono that we didn't even allow them to practice yeah. let's just hope that smarter heads prevail on this piece yeah. and and they set their egos aside and look at what's in the best interest of their franchise quarterback and not what they're trying to do this year, which is maybe win a game. It, it, it makes no makes sense. Makes no sense. It, it makes no yeah, sense. Just, none. just take your lumps. Uh, you already know you're going to be a bad team. You already know you lost your quarterback. Don't bring him out. Don't play him. Don't get cute and play him week 12 or whatever it is for, for no reason at all. There's no reason right. for it. Let's end the show on a good note. Yeah. Uh, Vivian Stringer, the Rutgers uh, women's uh, head basketball coach, uh, will receive the John R. Wooden Legends of Coaching Honor next spring uh, at the College Basketball Awards in L.A., and that's on April 10th. Uh, she's one of four women to win that award. Uh, I don't have the list in front of me. I know it's uh, McGraw from Notre Dame, Pat Summit uh, uh, from Tennessee, and who am I missing? Vanderveer from Stanford, maybe? Uh, no? Maybe? I don't know. I or apologize. Or what about, what about oh, of four women? That would probably be Van... I, 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 I don't know. I'm just going to put it out there. It might be Vanderveer it, from Stanford. It, you're, you're probably right. You couldn't go wrong with that that <laughs> guess anyway. So, but regardless, look. Huge. Th- this is... This is not Tennessee. This is not Notre Dame. No. This is this is Rutgers. Yeah. You know, Rutgers. I, I'm sorry, Rutgers. I know as an institution, as a university, you've been around. You're, you're one of the oldest universities in all of the United States. Right. You've been around forever. Your programs are not good, right? Your football team is not good. You haven't been good since you had uh, Greg Schiano, and yeah. you were in a different uh, division. Now yeah. that you're in the Big Ten, there's no way you can compete. Yeah. Right. Uh, the the women's basketball is... team, you know, they've been up and down. They've had some good players. Uh, the reason they've been successful, uh, one of the reasons besides incredible coach, is that they've been able to recruit from the New York City area, and that's one of the things that the yeah. football team needs to do because there's great talent in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area that they could keep at home, right? But for her to get this award, to win the the amount of games that she's she's won, and to be successful like she has. It's just a great honor, and it's just good to see that she's getting recognized. 
Congrats, congrats. I, I, I love it every time that there's somebody out there that's getting recognized that maybe we don't see or hear about on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Right? And and this just makes this this just makes it, I think, even more powerful. The 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 wooden award is a big deal, but anytime you have people in it that are they they've been in their career for that many years and have have impacted that many lives in such a positive way. She's more, more than suitable to have this award given to her. So congratulations. That's a fantastic honor. Let's wrap it up. I think what? Let's wrap it up. Hey, got it. we'd like to thank uh, J.C. Pearson, uh, former University of Washington defensive back, former NFL defensive back. Uh, we appreciate his time um, to discuss many of things. So it was just uh, great to have him on the show and uh it's just always fun conversation so we really appreciate his time uh dory any last thoughts go huskies man let's get a win (laughs) on the farm (laughs) that is your go-to last thought i love it thanks for listening uh, to nyc nysea will sanchez dory bennett we're out